We thank you that your presence is here right now, Lord. Your presence is here. You're beautiful, sweet, kind, unconditional, loving presence. We receive it right now. Just let the weights of the world drop off right now. The worries, the anxiety, the fears just drop to the ground. Holy Spirit is here and where he is there is freedom and there's liberty. And the Lord wants to do a new thing in you. He wants to take you to a new place. There's new opportunities for you. New life, new joy, new passion, new vision. There's a new day coming. Get ready for it. Amen? Amen. So good to see you this morning. You're looking good, church. Welcome, welcome. You can take your seat right where you are. Pastor Jack is preaching the word at Yuma at the missions conference there. Doing a great job. A couple of shout outs this morning. Shout out to my husband who's watching from home online. He's been riding the porcelain bus, so to speak. So we said it's better that he, he participates from home. <laughs> so great to see our friend Pastor Rick Burrell here in church with us. Thank you for visiting us. I believe the Lord has new things ahead, new things for us. And new things can be scary at times. Change can be, you know, a little unnerving, but it's worth it. It's worth it in the end. Do you remember the first time you started driving? There was adrenaline pumping through you. For some of you, the adrenaline was pumping through you because you were so excited. And other people, the adrenaline was pumping through you because you were so scared, I'm going to kill somebody behind this machine. I remember feeling that, oh my goodness, I've never done this before. This is a new thing and having to remember everything and blind spots and blinkers and it was all new. And the worst part was having to go for the exam, the driving test. Well, failed that twice, didn't I? <laughs> but I didn't stop there. I didn't give up. I could have said, oh, well, I'm just going to ride the bus. I'm just going to get lifts. I'm just going to give up. But I kept going and I got my license. And then just, you know, years later, I actually just went a little bit further and got my bus license. I don't know, this dream of Sandra Bullock speed or something, no. <laughs> I promise I didn't speed through the hay plains with the youth bus, you know, I was a good girl. <laughs> what about your first job interview? Remember how scary that was? Oh my goodness. Your first relationship. Those butterflies felt like hawks within. What about changing jobs? The nerve, the nerves that are there, meeting new people and what are they going to be like and my new responsibilities. How many here, pop your hand up, if you have immigrated to this new country, like me, I'm an immigrant, yeah? Yeah, look at us all. New things can be scary, but they are so worth it for what's on the other side. And I feel like God gave me a picture of a baby in a womb for you. Inside the womb is just, it's amazing. You get food on tap. You're basically living in a waterbed, being carried around everywhere. You have this amazing relationship with your mum. It's called take, take, take. 
and kick, kick, kick. Yeah. It's Christina here. She had two. She had four legs kicking her. She's she's here this morning. Our amazing mother of twins is in in the house. So amazing. That baby has this relationship with the mum that's just take, 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 but a time comes after nine months, they actually lie, it's 10 months. After 10 months, the baby comes out and it's scary. I can imagine for that baby, it would be scary. Like, they are cutting the thing that fed you for those last 10 months. There's bright lights, there's people looking at you. It's, it's a whole new world. It's not warm anymore, it's cold. Somebody hits you and like, you're getting needles jabbed into you. Oh, what am I doing here? Get me out of here. It's scary and new. But on the other side of that scary and new is a beautiful new relationship with the mother yeah. where there's touch and interaction and care and cuddles and crawling, learning to walk and to read and to write and to run and go on adventures and play games and a brand new relationship with a mother is on the other side of the discomfort. And I believe just like that in this house that there's many here that it's time to come out of the comfort, out of the warm and to get out where there's going to be a brand new relationship with your Lord because you are going to interact with him in a brand new way. It's going to be different. It's going to be better. You're going to be more dependent on him and you're going to grow and learn new things. Could it be that some of us are a little bit overdue? We've been in the comfort a little bit too long and it's time to get out. It's time to be brave and to change. And I want to say it's time to be brave. Be brave and change. Jesus' very first sermon was about change. He, he got out of the, the wilderness, fasting there in the wilderness. He comes out into Galilee and he speaks this sermon. This is his first, first sermon here, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. He says, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That's his first sermon. The time has come, time. The word time that he uses here is not the word chronos, which is chronological time. It's the word kairos, which means a unique time. It means an appointed time, a God time. Oprah might call it a ha-ha moment. It's a God moment. It's, it's not nine o'clock on the clock. It's a God moment. And he says, this is your God moment. This is your Kairos moment. The kingdom of God is coming near to you right now. Anything can happen and something is going to happen. And then he says, repent. The word repent means, is the Greek word metano. And that means to change, to change your mind, to change your thinking. He's telling them, Change. The time is now. God's near. The kingdom is near. It's time to change your thinking. It's time to change. There's something new coming. And believe. You need to believe with a deep abiding trust in me. Dare to believe. Dare to change. He was telling people that didn't believe in him that it's time. The kingdom is near. You need to change. He was talking to people who were unbelievers. And there is a change that needs to happen when you're an unbeliever. An unbeliever is somebody who doesn't believe in God. Perhaps they believe that the universe started by cosmic energy and and that we are just an accident that's mutated and evolved over years and, or perhaps agnostic, we're not quite sure there might be a God but we'll never actually know. Some people believe um, I am becoming God. 
You know, as I meditate and hit nirvana, I am becoming my own God. People have different beliefs, and we would call those an unbeliever. But there's a time of change, and it was for those people that he, that he, he was talking to, to come and to change your mind, to change your thoughts, and to believe with a deep abiding trust to become a believer of Jesus. I want to tell you, we welcome unbelievers here. Unbelievers here are our VIPs. In fact, William Temple said the church is the only institution that exists for its non-members. So if you're an unbeliever in this place, you're not a Christian, welcome. We love you already and we're so glad that you're here. Matthew chapter 13, 57 says that there was a crowd there and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in Jesus. But there was many who did believe in Jesus. We read in Matthew, um, sorry, John chapter 9, there was a, born, a man born blind and he, the kingdom of God comes near to him and Jesus is there with him and he heals him of his blindness. He experiences Jesus. Something changes physically, but also something changes inside of his heart. And it, it, it changed so much that the Pharisees came and they wanted to kick him out of the temple. They did kick him out of the temple because he was saying that Jesus did this miracle and that was blasphemy. So he gets kicked out and he, even though he was going to be kicked out of the very place that would be the community that he lived in, he was willing to do it because of his encounter with Jesus. And then Jesus comes up to him and he says to him, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Tell me. Jesus said, you have seen him. He is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He went that day from being an unbeliever to becoming a believer. He became a believer in Jesus that day. A few chapters later... John chapter 10, 11, there's a woman there named Martha. John chapter 11. Martha, she had been around Jesus. She had experienced Jesus, but then her brother dies. You know, it's one thing to believe in Jesus when everything's going good, but then when your brother dies and something bad happens, that's a real test. Am I really a believer? It it was tough. And then Jesus comes along. And I just want to read, I was reading this this morning in my devotions, actually. Jesus comes up to her. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, because her brother was dead and he was talking about resurrection. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she replied, yes, I believe. I believe, I'm a believer, that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. She went from being an unbeliever at one stage to a believer, even when things were not going so good. So how about you? Have you made that change? Have you changed your mind? Has the kingdom of God come near to you where you've changed your mind to know he is really who he said he is, and I am going to follow him? I believe what, have you taken that step to say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God and I am going to accept him as my Lord? Jesus didn't just impact a few people. He impacted so many that crowds would form. Crowds would gather and follow him. Anytime he was speaking, a crowd would, would, would come along. And in Matthew chapter 11, we see Jesus address the crowd. He says to them, are you tired? Are you worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you the, how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live lightly, freely and lightly. He was addressing believers and he was saying to them, there's something more, there's something new than just being part of the crowd. There's a moving into the core. There's a moving. They liked him. They liked understanding what he was talking about. They liked the words that he spoke, but he invited them into a new relationship, a change from a believer to a disciple. Jesus spoke to the crowd and he said, this is the new, I want you to change from religion and trying to do works to be right with God to a relationship with me that's personal. He was saying, it's time to go from being a believer. You need to make a change. Come and walk with me. Work with me. Do life with me. Interact with me and become my disciple. A disciple is a learner. They're hungry to learn and to grow. Another word for disciple is an apprentice. An apprentice, put your hand up here if you've been an apprentice or are an apprentice. Look at you guys, awesome. Now I know, I know Jordan's over here, she's doing a hairdresser apprenticeship. I know you go to TAFE one day and you learn those skills one day and then she goes to work, is it three other days, three or four other days where you get the practical on the tools. You know, that is an apprenticeship. And this is what Jesus is talking about to be a disciple. It's not just attending a meeting once a week for 30 minutes and then going home and living your own life. Yeah. It's actually more than that. It's, it's about being a devoted, hungry learner and then practicing it every day and working on it every day. Jesus says to the crowd of believers, and he says it to us here in this room today, he says, I want a relationship with you. Yeah. He says, walk with me. He's saying to you this morning, work with me. I'll show you. Watch. Watch how I do it. Learn from me. Learn from me. That takes proximity. I love this quote by Robert Coleman. It says, when we step over the line and decide to follow Jesus and embrace the discipleship lifestyle, we become lifelong learners. An apprentice hairdresser becomes a what? Very good. Very good class. <laughs> You're learn- good learners. An apprentice sparky becomes a... That was a hard one. Yeah, you didn't know what to say there. An apprentice chef becomes a... An apprentice disciple maker becomes a... There you go. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, he said, Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. This is a change. Come change what you've been doing, your own lifestyle, your old profession, the old familiar, your family business, your friendships, what what you used to believe and think. Come and I will teach you the new trade. It's called discipling people. Becoming Jesus' apprentice wasn't an easy thing, but it was rewarding. They had to dare to change, to embrace new things, to change their thinking and change their mind. And to grow from a believer to a disciple, we must change what we think and believe. 
A believer discovers the truth. A disciple lives the truth. A believer follow Jesus' way when it's convenient and it works for you and it suits, but a disciple follows the way of Jesus even when it's hard. A believer likes Jesus, but a disciple loves Jesus deeply. A believer listens for understanding. These are good words. But a disciple learns for transformation, application. A believer goes to church, but a disciple is the church. We need to position ourselves to learn to be a disciple. We need to get the right people around us, position ourselves with people that we can learn from, like being in a connect group. And that helped me so much growing in my learning and understanding of the Bible and how to pray, being in a small group where I could pick up things and learn things and how to do it practically, not just reading the text, but living it out in relationship with others. What do you need to change? And what do you need to believe to become a true disciple? These disciples, they did life with Jesus. They walked everywhere with him. They knew his family. They knew what he ate. They went on vacations. They went to family weddings and festivals together. They saw that he sat with sinners and he saw the compassion and the, the, the way that he treated beggars and the unloved and the hated in society. He would sit with them and he would teach them about his upside down kingdom. Talk about upside down where the last shall be first, where the, the narrow way is the right way, not the wide road, the high road, not the easy road. He taught them how to pray. He taught them and addressed their sinful pride when they were comparing and, and pride was puffing them up. They watched him as he exerted authority over wind and waves, blind eyes opening, demons and sickness leaving bodies, dead people raised. And they also got the opportunity to be involved in the ministry, multiplying the, the bread and taking the baskets and distributing. They got to be part of the adventure. And I love in Matthew 9, it says that Jesus made a circuit of all these towns and villages and he taught in their meeting places and he, he reported kingdom news. He healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised lives. But when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke, so confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. Man, he was on the road and this was a lesson. This was a lesson in compassion and what really matters. What really matters is those sheep have got no shepherd that harass and they don't have God. And we need to be praying. And so he got, them to, he got down with them and prayed with them. And I love as you continue on and read into chapter 10, what happens. This is good. This was worth the price of admission this morning. Are you ready? The word of God is awesome. Look at this, Matthew chapter 10. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the ripe fields. He gave them the power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. Jesus' disciples were the answer to the prayer. And I believe you are the answer to your prayer for your lost friends, your lost family, your lost work, workmates. You are the answer to somebody's prayer today. You are the answer. The harvest in our city is huge. 
And we need more harvest hands, don't we? We need to go from being a disciple, make some change, change the way that we think about ourselves, that we actually are the answer and we need to become disciple makers. Jesus sent his disciples out to do what they'd been trained to do, become disciple makers. Yeah? Yeah. He sent them out two by two. We read thousands of years before, two by two went into the ark to save themselves. Now they were going out two by two to save others. Matthew talks about the two by two being, you know, six pairs of disciples. It's noted in pairs. Luke talks about 36 pairs. The 72 went out. I think it's really powerful to be in partnership together. We're better together. When you're not feeling so good, the other one is strong. When you're in doubt, the other one has faith. When you're feeling you need encouragement, your partner can encourage you. How wise to be in partnership and not to be isolated and alone. I remember in 2002, we went on a missions trip to China. Hayley and Flo were there on that trip. Pastor Stewart was on that trip. And we went to smuggle Bibles to China. We had suitcases packed with Bibles. In fact, I had a dress on and I had to have this skirt underneath the dress with all pockets in it where they would fill it with Bibles and tracks. I was loaded up like a mule. <laughs> and we, would, we got the option. You can go through customs alone and try and go through and not get caught, um, or you can go with a partner. I said, I'll have a partner, thanks. Well, Pastor Stu was my partner. <laughs> and um, I tell you, it was better together. Because when you're going through, I had, you know how funny Pastor Stu can be? He, he just lightened it all up. We had some laughs. He was, you know, making quirky, silly statements like he normally does. What's new? But it helped so much to be together and not alone. I want to ask you, who are you partnering with? Who is with you? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus goes and he sends them out and he says to them who to go to, what to say and what to do. We read in verse 5, we're going to deep dive into chapter 10 here. Verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only the people of Israel, the lost sheep. Why is that? Well, it says in the message paraphrase, don't begin by traveling to some far off places to convert unbelievers. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. He's telling them, start close. We're going to get there. We're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to that most places of the world. That is the plan. But just start where you are. And that's what I want to encourage you this morning. Just start where you are. And then he told them what to say. When you go out in your two-by-twos, to the people that are just close by in your world, this is what to say. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, that's not a new message. I heard that somewhere else this morning, didn't you? The kingdom of heaven is near. That was the first message that Jesus preached. Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God is near. We see that message started with John the Baptist, actually. In Matthew 3, verse 1 to 2, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The message hasn't changed. It's simple, and it's just the gospel. It's very simple. All we need is that God is near. Change your mind. Turn and believe. 
Then he told them what to do. And I'm going to ask the team to come. Then he told them what to do. When you get there and there's two by two, you're going to the people that are close to you. This is what I want you to say. And this is what I want you to do. Verse 8. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Well, cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. This is what I want you to do. When you're in people's lives, I want you to pray for them. Believe for miracles in their life. Be there and and minister to them, just like you've received freedom. Minister freedom to them. He tells them, verse 9, as we go along in this passage, don't take any money belts with you. Don't take silver or gold or don't have a traveler's bag and a change of clothes and the kitchen sink because you are the equipment. You don't need to take lots of equipment. You are the equipment. And I want to say to you this morning, you are the equipment. You've got all that you need within you. You've got a testimony. Verse 12, we're going to go along here. As you go into the house, give it your greeting. That is, peace be to this house. If the family living in the house is worthy, this word worthy means hospitable, welcoming you and your message. Give it your blessing of peace. That is, a blessing of well-being and prosperity, the favour of God. But if... If it is not worthy, not hospitable, and they're not receptive, then take back your blessing of peace. The instruction that he gave them was when you go to the people near you, if they are welcoming to you, hospitable to you, they open their home to you, they're kind to you, they are responsive, park there, stay with them, stick by them, and share with them. They are your people of peace. But if they don't receive you, if they reject you and they don't want you in their home, then he goes on to say, go and shake the dust off your feet. Whoever does not welcome you nor listen to your message as you leave that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. Now this had greater connotations with it. It was a a big statement to shake dust off feet. But I wanna say for us here today, when we get rejected, it's not us that they're rejecting, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you need to shake it off because they're not your person of peace right now. It's okay. We need to move on and find who is the person of peace, who is receptive, who is welcoming, who is hospitable and welcomes us into their home. Who are those ones? Yeah? You know, I failed twice getting my car license, but I didn't give up. I went again. And I'm so glad I did. I want to encourage you. If you feel like you've failed or you've been let down or you've been rejected, don't give up. Don't give up because there is a new day and a new opportunity and it's a time for change. And God has got people in your life ready. They're called people of peace. I'm going to ask this morning that you stand with me because I really want to pray and ask the Lord to do a work in us this morning. There's change happening this morning. There's a new thing happening this morning. The Holy Spirit is here. Just close your eyes with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Lord, we just shake off right now any rejection. Just shake it off. Lord, we hand it over to you, Lord God, any disappointments or anything that has held us back or down from obeying you and being used of you, we hand it over to you, Lord. Lord, where we've shut down and we've closed doors because 
of disappointments or failures in the past, Lord, we ask that you'd heal those things and that we would have faith and trust to open those doors again, Lord. Lord, you have greater things for us on the other side, new things, new opportunities, new open doors. Lord, I want to pray right now for people that are making decisions that haven't believed in you, Lord, that haven't trusted you, that today they're making a change. They're making a change to trust you and to believe in you. Lord, we lift them up to you right now. We come and ask you, Lord God, to make a way that the kingdom of God would come near right now, that they would know that they know that they will abandon their old life, their sin life for your life, Lord. And Lord, for us who are who are believers, Lord God, who have stayed in the crowd and, and, and enjoyed your, your teachings, Lord, but we have held back. Lord, I pray that we'd have a change of heart, a change of mind, that the kingdom of God would come near and draw us to take a step forward, Lord, to become disciples who are learners, growing in you, expanding in you, learning the tools of the trade with you, walking with you, learning from you, receiving from you. And Lord, I pray for faith to rise up, Lord, for a heart of obedience, Lord, to become disciple makers who will reach out to our neighbours, who will invite and care and love and be in the lives and stay in the lives of the people of peace that you give us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just reveal to us right now people in our mind, neighbours, work colleagues, family members who are the people of peace in our life, Lord that we will stick with them, that we will love them and serve them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we will dare to be your disciples. Amen.